Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. It's my joy for a few minutes to share the Word of God with you. I'm going to do that. I know you've got another service at five o'clock. And I'm sure that's going to be amazing. So, so let me just share a few things. If you have a Bible and you want to follow a reading with me, I'm going to read from 1 John chapter 4. So though it's a separate message from this morning, um, and if you missed this morning, I'm sure that'll be on podcast or something, I would encourage you to grab it, not because it's me, but because uh, there's some uh, ideas in there that might encourage you and strengthen you as a follower of Jesus. And uh, uh, though this is a separate message, it sort of follows on. So it will tie in. So if you missed this morning, uh, grab that. If you, if you weren't here this morning, don't, don't switch off. This will still help you and encourage you. But the two will ultimately tie together a little bit in what we're doing. So it's First John chapter 4, verse 7. And this is John writing to a church a little bit like ours, and he says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Listen to these words again. Verse 18. That's what I want to jump off here. Just spend a few minutes with you. Verse 18 says this. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Amazing words. If fear could have a fear, it would be love. So we tend to think of uh, the opposite to fear is courage. So, so if you want to overcome fear, well, well, courage 
is the answer to that challenge. And of course, in some moments, in some contexts, that's absolutely right. What I, I love about this, what I am hearing in this particular uh, statement from John to the church, is that the antidote to fear in our world is not me being courageous, but me stepping into the love of God. See, see, when I think about courage, I tend to think of me. My response to the fear, right? Is that fair? So something comes at me, makes me afraid. People say, come on, John, man up. Be courageous. And the emphasis there, when it comes to courage, is on the one having the courage. And that's okay. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But did you notice here the emphasis changes? The emphasis here in fighting fear is not on me, but it's on him. It moves from my response to the fear to actually his love in me, his love perfected in me, his love helping me. And so you get this idea that actually, uh, as well as fighting fear with courage, and courage has its place, no question, so don't hear what I'm not saying. Actually, what John is encouraging us, that if we can grab something of this amazing love that we talked about this morning, if we can live in that love and let that love live in us, that love by itself, without your courage, that love by itself will push away fear. Just the presence of love has the power to push out fear, regardless even of my own response to it. So, so actually there's something really supernatural going on here. And if, if you were here this morning, and if you do manage to listen to the podcast, we, we, we talked about the extravagant dimensions of the love of Jesus. How high and wide and deep and long that is. And Paul says, you know, it's so big and so vast, it's beyond your brain to compute that. And so it's almost like we need God's help to understand something we can't understand on our own. All right? But we talked about three ideas that sort of nudge us into this love without, you know, sort of uh, spinning us off. Three ideas that draw us closer. The idea that his love is unconditional. No conditions. He loves you full stop. That his love is unchanging. People change. Life changes. We change. His love does not change. And his love is unlimited. Everything runs out. But his love will not. His love cannot run out. Even after he's given all the love to every human on the planet today, he's still got more for tomorrow. It never, ever runs out. Now, now pause with me. Imagine if we can grab that love and bring it into the room where fear lives. Imagine if you can bring love that is unconditional, unchanging, and unlimited, and put it in front of any fear. See, that's not me speaking to the fear. That's love speaking to the fear. Somehow, it's now, it's not just about John Andrews being brave, and there are moments I do need to be brave. I get that. It's not just John Andrews' courage. Come on, lad. But actually, it's John Andrews standing in this amazing love. Allowing this amazing love to live in me. And a love that is without condition. A love that uh, doesn't change. 
and a love that will never run out. We've been singing about the love of God this afternoon. That love, an understanding of that love alone, uh, that understanding, that reality starts to push back on the fears in my world. Do you know what I've discovered about fear? Fear, however it manifests, whatever way it looks and whatever issue of our life it, it touches, it's all about restriction. It's all about making you smaller. It's all about holding you back. Now, there are good bits of fear. You know, that flight within you, if there's an issue of trouble, something within you, uh, and you, you run, there, there's a flight, that, that's a good thing. But, but, but we're not talking about good fear here. The, the fear that John's talking about here is terror. Uh, something that terrorizes you. Something that stalks you. Something that's standing in front of you and saying, come on then if you're big enough. Let's do it. And that sort of fear, wherever it manifests in my, my experience, and I'm now 52 years of age. I've been a Christian since I was eight. So I've had a few, a few run-ins with fear over the years. Every time it confronts me, it's about holding me back. It's about keeping me small. It's about restricting me. It's about pushing me into a room and locking a door. Love is the exact opposite true love is about empowering us true love is about believing in us true love is about releasing us into everything we are designed to be and if there are any boundaries on love it's not to restrict us it's to focus us come on are you with me my mom's 83 years of age and she confessed to me uh, a little while ago, she has one, one major regret as far as my life is concerned. Talking to me as her son. My, my, my dad's in heaven. He passed away uh, a few years ago. And my mom said to me, I've got one regret, son. And I said, well, what, what's your regret, mom? She said, well, uh, when you graduated from Bible college, I didn't go. That's true. She didn't. My brother went. My father went, and my brother-in-law went. So they, they came across to Mattersea Bible College, the Assemblies of God Bible College. That's where I graduated from in 1987. And my mom didn't go because my mom believed she had claustrophobia. Now, I'm not sure she really did, but she had a very bad experience when she was younger. She had a bit of a thing about small spaces, uh, and especially dark spaces, so the idea of her getting on an enclosed tube with wings sticking out and being in the air for maybe the guts of 45 minutes to an hour flying from Belfast to Manchester Airport was a terrifying prospect. She said, what if I get on the plane and I panic? And that's a real thing, right? What, 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 if I, what if I get on the plane and something goes wrong? I said, mom, what's the worst that could happen? That was probably the wrong thing to say right there. Probably playing Christ, that would be a bad thing. Um, but, but it's this sense that, and, and she regretted it. Now, from, from when, when I sort of got my graduation, my mum came to my master's graduation in Sheffield. And then my mum and dad came to my graduation at Mattersea when I got my PhD. Although I did it through the University of Wales. She, in between that first and that second graduation, she had overcome her fear. And she looks back now, and here's what she said to me. It's so, so silly that that stopped me from doing something I wanted to do. That's what fear does. Fear is all about stopping you. Fear is all about restricting you. Fear is all about holding you back. 
But God's love, unconditional, unchanging, unlimited. That love is about making you and me into everything God designed us to be. It is about, it is about empowering us to be the person he wants us to be. It's about helping us overcome those barriers of fear or anxiety or worry in our world that would come against us and say, you can't. And actually, God wants to come to each one of us and say, in his love, we can. And sometimes as Christians, the right response to fear is courage. You know, let's just be courageous. But, but actually, I'm discovering more and more that a great response to fear is not just more courage from me, but actually a great response to fear is standing in the security of love that is unconditional. Whatever happens, God's still going to love me at the end of this day. The, see, the reason we're not overwhelmed with amens is because actually we struggle to believe that. That's the truth. We've all been conditioned into conditions. So when someone says to you, at the end of this day, no matter what, you are still loved by God, that's a hard idea. That's a hard idea. I get it. But you imagine really believing that. You imagine if me and you could really get that. Wow. Imagine standing in a love that says it will never change. You may change. You may walk away. I may walk away. But actually his love for us will never change. Imagine standing in that love. Imagine standing in a love that you know will not run out. The tap is never going to run dry. Now imagine if I could face my fears, not just with courage, but with the revelation of that love. Suddenly there is something on my side that is even bigger than my courage. Are you with me? I think that love gives you courage, but it's bigger than my courage. It's not just me being brave. It's me standing in this reality. I am loved. Does that make sense to you? So that's why Paul, when he speaks to the church at Ephesus, is desperate for them to get it. If you can get this thing that's so big it makes your head hurt, and you can't actually understand it on your own, but God wants you to get it. If you get this, everything changes. Everything in your life changes. Everything that we touch changes. Everywhere we go changes. Everything changes. Because we are not just responding to it with courage. We're responding to it out of an understanding and knowledge of his love for us. So a couple of ideas. Just to, again to encourage you, hopefully. In this journey of, of uh, living in the love of God. And I think it's a message that each of us uh, need to, to have and live in. And for me, it's become such a powerful message over the last uh, many years of my life where, where I've come to a revelation of that love. Here's the first thing I want you to see. Love is powerful because love is a peacemaker. All right? It's a peacemaker. Look at the verse that we read. It says this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. So a couple of things are, the word fear really is that terror word. 
So it's not just, you know, you've got a wee bit of a moment. This is a strong word. The idea here is that something that is seeking to get mastery over you, something that's seeking to dominate you, something that's trying to keep you in your place. And John says this, that that sort of terrorizing fear has no defense to love. He says this, perfect love. Now the word perfect there, we'll come back to that in a wee minute. That word perfect means complete love. It doesn't mean perfect in the moral sense. It means perfect in the complete sense. So this is complete love. If you like, it's, it's the God love. Some of you may have heard the term agape. It's that, it's that God love. It's that complete love. And it says this, the perfect love, this complete love, does what? It drives out fear. Beautiful word there, drives. Uh, the, the picture behind this word, literally, it's like love grabs fear by the scruff of the neck and kicks it out of the house. It gets rid of the unwelcome guest. Okay, you've stayed here long enough. Get out. But love doesn't just order it out. Uh, love, by, by sheer force of what it is, um, drives it out. Doesn't just invite fear to go. It drives the fear out. It moves the fear away. Because when love and fear are in the same room, only one winner. That's why the the devil, if I can use this language, that's why the devil wants to separate you from the love of God. Not, Not just in terms of not being a Christian, he wants to separate you from an understanding of the love of God. He wants to separate you from believing in the unconditional, unchanging, unlimited love of God. Because when you question that, here's what happens. Doors open and fear starts to rush in. And things start to move into our home in terms of positioning themselves against us that would not get in normally if love is guarding the door. Are you with me? And so I I found that over and over again. When I take my eyes off the love of God, invaders get in. Now, by that I don't mean, I don't mean demons or anything. I mean ideas. I mean feelings. I mean emotions. I mean, I mean stuff that gets a hold of me. And takes me. And that's why this idea is so important. It's, it's John and Paul together are encouraging us to grab a hold of this love. Because when this love lives in your house, it has the power all by itself. All by itself. Not because of you. Not because of my courage. All by itself it has the power to start evicting fear. Wow. Now I'm thinking, even if that's half true, that's worth a look, right? I'm obviously the only one in the room, but I think that's worth a look. If this is even half true. Because I don't know about you, fear is one of the strongest emotions that comes at me on a quite a regular basis. You know, I have children, I have, I'm thinking of their future, I'm thinking of, of my own family, my mother's 83 years of age, my mother-in-law's 83, my, my father-in-law's almost 80, I've got lots of people in my world that I would, I would fear for or, or fear about, you know, our own country, what's, what's going to happen in the 29th of March? Will we fall over the precipice into nothingness? Will we disappear or will a deal be done? Who knows? What will happen to my pension on the 29th? I have no idea. But if I focus on all of that stuff, it terrifies me. Now, I'm not saying we should ignore that. But I'm saying if, I only, if that's my only focus, I'm sort of crippled. 
Like seriously, I am crippled. Cancer would cripple us. Unemployment would cripple us. Loneliness would cripple us. The future would cripple us, wouldn't it? And here's, here's John saying the response to those crippling fears is the love of God. I, I, as I said in my introduction, I, I, I have a couple of sausage dogs. And my sausage dogs are very interesting. I don't know if you're a dog lover here, but you may have seen this in your own hounds. But every time I get my suitcase out, my sausage dogs sort of go a bit mopey, a bit, a bit sad. Any dog lovers here? Does that, is that only my, does that happen to your, yeah, okay. And the sausage dogs start like, I actually have pictures where the dogs have climbed into the case. <laughs> Not making that up. Absolutely true. So, you, you know, I have one of those sort of, if I'm traveling, like a, when I was in Canada, really big case, massive wheels, you know, all that stuff, you just push it through the, through the airport. And Salami literally got into the case. Just looked at me. I'm sorry, you can't go. It's not allowed. I just, there's no room for one. Uh, but you just can't go. Uh, and it's like the dogs sense I'm going away. It's really strange. And they behave a little bit differently. And I, when I was in Canada last week, Don said to me, the dogs are missing you particularly. They seem to be a little, little bit sort of anxious, which is, I know that sounds weird. It's like first world problems. I get all that. But, <laughs> but you know what I mean? I got home on Thursday and the dogs went bananas when they saw me and we, we got everything squared away. And I have a, I don't know like you, I have a sort of a favorite chair in the room. Yeah. Okay, thank you, thank you. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad someone is here who has a, because you're all looking at me like, favorite chair? Yeah. Uh, I have a favorite chair in the room and it reclines. Uh, it's a recliner as well. And uh, I was just chilling out uh, and we were, we were about to go out that evening and I, I put the recliner back and I'm chilling back and pepperoni jumped onto my knee, the boy dog. Now, when he was a puppy, um, he loved sitting right, if I, if I can, he loved sitting right there. So, sort of, I put my legs together and the crevice right there, when he was a puppy, he loved snuggling into the crevice right there. Now, he's a bit too long for that now, so he sort of hangs off the edge, but he remembers and it's really interesting. I've been away for a week. I come back. I sit in my favorite chair. Pepperoni jumps onto my knee, literally starts to snuggle into the crevice between my legs and pushes himself in as much as he can. And Dawn walked in the room as he was doing it. And Dawn said something that just caught my heart. She said, oh, he's found his place. Do you know that? That just caught me. The dog found a place of peace. The dog loves that place. It's somehow in his little dog brain, he's somehow got some association that when I sit there, everything's okay. I've got him where I want him. He can't move. He's there, and I'm there. And you know, I, I, think, that's this, I think that's the heart of the essence of this idea of the love of God. What fear wants to do is kick you out of your place. Displace you. What it wants to do is push you away from the place where you are at peace in the presence of God. It wants to create such anxiety in you that when we're standing up here saying, come on, that's saying, I will sing of his love forever. You're going, what? You're insane. Do you know what my life's like? And actually, that's what the enemy wants. He wants to so get into our world with fear that we can't even think about the love of God. And in fact, when we do think about it, our conclusion usually is he couldn't love me. 
and let this be happening to me, or he couldn't love me and let me experience this. But, but actually it's that place, finding that place. And that, that place is not a literal place. It's not, I mean, it might, you might have a place in your home or in your world where it literally helps you. But, but in my world, that's not a literal place. For pepperoni it is. But for my world, that's a heart place. And here's what, I, here's what I've discovered, a bit like pepperoni. I've got to be intentional about going there. I've got to make a decision. No matter what I feel here, no matter what anxiety is trying to grip me, no matter what fear is coming against me, there is a place. A place at the center of God. A place where his love reigns. A place that he wants me to come to, to allow that love to come into my world. And when I allow that love to come into my world, when I, when I choose to believe, his love is unconditional. That's it. I'm loved. His love is unchanging. Had a bad day, but his love has remained the same. His love is unlimited. My goodness, I've tested the patience. I would test, it, test the patience of, of, of every saint on the planet, never mind God. His love is still unlimited. When I really get that, then it brings me to a place of peace. And the reason for the peace is because fear can't sit on the same knee as love. It, it can't rest in the same place. Can't, they can't be in the same space. Listen, fear and love can't occupy the same space. That's why they're always warring, fighting. Are you with me? Does that make sense? So, so John teaches us powerfully that love is a peacemaker. Here's the second thing John gives us really quickly. Love is a confidence giver. He says this because fear, he says there's no uh, fear in love. Why? He goes on to say this because fear has to do with punishment. So what he's saying is this, that when we're caught up with fear, we're, we're misunderstanding something about God. We're not quite getting this. It's not quite in line. Because fear has to do with the thought of being punished, of, of, of being penalized, of being brought to book. Now, it's a tricky one for us as Christians because uh, there's a sense in which our sins have been completely and absolutely forgiven in Christ Jesus. So there is no, as was already quoted today, therefore now no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus. I am completely clean before God. Which is amazing. The little challenge I have is that although I'm absolutely clean before God because of the death of Jesus. Every day I'm bumping into my own mistakes and vulnerabilities and sin. I'm doing stuff every day. I'm struggling with stuff every day that, that, that isn't as good as it could be. Are you with me? And so sometimes then I get stuck in that world. And even though I know I've been completely forgiven, I react to the presence of God according to what I'm doing. And therefore, I go back into human mode, which says, if you step out of line, you get punished. If you, step, if you break the rule, you, you, you'll, you'll have a price to pay. If I drive at 38 mile an hour and a 30, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a fine to pay and a course to go on and points on my license. All right? And the danger is we bring that into our relationship with God to the extent that it becomes a fear-driven decision. So here's what happens as a result of that. I then don't do things because I'm afraid of being punished instead of not doing it because I love him. John, isn't that the same thing? No. It's not semantics. They're two different worlds. 
So, so one says, I won't do this in case I get caught. In other words, the motivation for not doing it or doing it is punishment. Whereas the other one says, I won't do this or do it, if it's a good thing, because of love. All right? So, so like if me and you went out of here, we're driving home. If there were no speed limits, how would you drive? Fast. There's an honest person on the third row. Fast. She said, like instantly, boom, came out of her. Fast. Yeah. And actually most people would. It's, most people keep to the speed limit not because they understand the speed limit. But because they're afraid of getting caught. I mean, I've literally seen people, I I do a lot of driving with my world. I've literally seen people on motorways, you know, it flashes up 50 or 60. And and there's cameras right along there now, all digital cameras. So you will get caught. And I've seen people literally boom right up to the stanchion. And then slam on the brakes on the motorway. Like, that's really safe driving. That's really going to help us all right there. But, the, but their motivation is, I don't want to get caught. That's not why the sign's up. The sign is not up to catch you. The sign is up to teach you. The police actually don't want to catch you. They want you to drive better. That's the point of the camera. Not to earn more money for the council. The point of the camera is... This is a vulnerable spot. Slow down, learn to drive better. Come on, you're quiet. Clearly, quite a number of you have been caught by the camera. That's, I can feel your pain. It's, it's coming across. Come on, absolutely no. Here we go. Isn't it, isn't it true? So, so we tend to think of the sign as being about, oh my goodness, I don't want to get caught. Therefore, I behave in a certain way because I don't want to get caught. And that's actually teaching us the very opposite of what it's meant to teach us. It's not about catching you. It's about training you. I meet so many lovely Christians and they're afraid of doing things because of punishment instead of not wanting to do that because of love. If I love God, well, why would I break Forgive the analogy. Why would I break that speed limit in my life? If the Lord's saying 30 on this issue, okay, I have two options. I can either like flirt with the 30. I'll, I'll push it to 36 or 35 or 33. Is there a 10% on this God or not? Yeah. So God says 30 and we go, oh, is it really 30? Uh, and, and we push it, but, but actually sometimes we're, we're keeping it, uh, not because we see the point of the 30, but because we're afraid of what will happen to us if we break the 30. I, the Lord wants us to move away from that mentality. The mentality of the law is, I have to keep it. The mentality of grace is, I want to keep it. Are, are you with me? Does that make sense? Uh, Love is a confidence giver. It has the power to transform us. It wants to 
shift our thinking away from punishment and towards love. Shift my thinking away from doing or not doing because I'm afraid of what will happen and doing and or not doing because this is what he wants. See the difference that would make? And that's what he's after. I mean, so many lovely, lovely Christians and they're sort of trapped in the punishment cycle. And therefore, it's hard to break free of the fear because they're seeing God as a judge, not, not as a father who, who loves them and cares for them. With me? All right, here's the last idea. You're doing brilliant. Thank you for listening so well. Here's the last one, and we are drawing this to a close. Love, thirdly then, is a life changer. Here's what it says in the verse. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So John's using a negative statement to make a positive statement. The one who fears. So if I stay in fear, if I allow fear to dominate my world, what it's really saying then is that I've ignored all of this stuff. I'm, I'm ignoring the love uh, conversation and I'm staying in my own fear and therefore I'm not made perfect in love. Now again, that word perfect is the same as that previous word. It doesn't mean morally perfect. It doesn't mean perfection. It really means completion. Uh, that, that when love lives in me, I come to a place of maturity. I come to a place of completion. I come to a place of life. Life starts to uh, live in me and is perpetuated from me. Not because of even something I'm doing, but because his love is reigning in my world. When, when his love doesn't reign in my world, when I'm not sitting in his love and allowing that love to, to really complete me, then actually that's when fear sort of gets in. All right. So he's not, he's not saying that as a statement to make us feel bad. He's just saying, actually, this is how you know where you are. If fear is pushing you around, then, then somehow the love conversation hasn't landed really. Now, again, he's not talking about perfection. So don't go there or you'll hear me say something I didn't say. He's talking about maturity and completion. So, so in other words, the, the general position of my life is one where love dominates the agenda. You know, you, you have occasional moments where you wobble and, and where you take your eyes off Jesus and you look at some terrifying prospect coming your way and our, our heart rate goes up and the adrenaline kicks in and boom, right? We've all, we all, it'll happen to us all. But John here is talking about the overall position of our lives. If it's one where we're sitting in the love of God, we will by and large... Live above fear, beyond fear, or live in a way where fear does not control us, at least. You with me? That makes sense? We were, we were hurtling up the runway on Wednesday night on Calgary, and he was, the, the pilot was, was pressing, you know, the pedal, and we were off up that runway, and suddenly hit the brakes. And uh, now remember, we've just been standing here having the plane de-iced. That's always a bit of a nerve-wracking experience when they're de-icing the plane before it takes off. You think, I hope they got all that, because uh, that's important. And we are hurtling up the runway, and he slams on the brakes, pulls the plane off the runway into a little side uh, lane. And after about 10 minutes, which felt a little bit like an hour... <laughs> Because the plane's quiet at this point. Have you ever noticed that something slightly dodgy goes on on a plane? Everybody stops talking. Because <laughs> they're praying. Um, and so the plane went quiet. 
And the captain came on and said, ladies and gentlemen, really sorry about that. We had a little bit of a problem with the navigation system. <laughs> oh, just, just a little problem then. So like nothing serious. Um, and he said, so we're just fixing it now. And I just had an image. You know, a pilot getting a screwdriver out, you know. I wonder, is it that button there? You know, you, you play, your mind plays tricks on you. And actually, you know, at a moment like that, like fear just tries to get in, into your heart. And I felt the fear trying to get in. Uh, and, and I remember sitting there, strangely, I was sitting beside another Christian. I just got to know this man. He was the, the Canadian director for the Samaritan's Purse. We just happened to be sitting beside each other. So that was good. And we were having a little chat. But everyone went quiet. You know, that moment where you're waiting for them to fix the, the, the sat-nav. <laughs> you have arrived at your day. Please turn back onto the runway. Um, so it's, my goodness. And all these sorts of fears try to grab you. What if this plane went down? What, do you know, and it was like, I'm not trying to be pious I'm just trying to be honest with you. It was like at that moment, I turned to the love of God. Here's what I said, Lord, I am in your hands. I am in your hands. Whatever happens here. I'm hoping, like, you know, I think I've got a bit of living to do yet, but I'm in your hands. It's okay. And immediately, honestly, genuinely, the fear left. Some of you know the story of my son. Uh, he was accused of a very serious crime. As a result of that, had he been found guilty of that crime, he would have gone to jail for seven years. And we went on an 18-month journey uh, from the accusation to arriving at Birmingham Crown Court in uh, October uh, 2016 was the, was the trial. We spent four days in court. That was a terrifying experience. I experienced fear that week. I've never experienced it before. I grew up in Belfast, you know, during the Troubles. So, like, we had a few dodgy moments where I lived. Well, more than a few, it has to be said, actually. And I've never had fear like this. This was, this was fear that literally stalked every inch of weakness. It was like, it was like probing for constant weakness. It, it's terrifying. It, it was amazing. And in the midst of that, you know, we just held together, kept looking to the Lord. And my son was due to give his evidence uh, on the Wednesday. And our lawyer was a spirit-filled Christian. That was handy. Not only a good lawyer, but spirit-filled Christian. And she, she uh, came to Simeon. She said, Simeon, uh, I've had a vision. And she said, I saw you standing in the dock, and I saw the, angels of the, uh, the wings of the angels of the Lord uh, literally cover you in the dock. It was amazing. I mean, as soon as she said it, I could see it. It was incredible. Bit of a revelation moment. But she said, I saw something else and I, I need you to do something for me. She said, she said, I saw you with your mom and dad's wedding rings on. And so she turned to me and she turned to Dawn. And she said, are you prepared to let Simeon wear your wedding rings? Well, at this point, we're prepared to do anything that's moral and legal uh, to get our son off. Uh, you know, I should have said, here, cut out your kidney and put it on the table. Here, have it. Here, do it. Let's get this done. So when she says, take your ring off, I'm going, no problem. And, but I've never had this ring off. This is, so in, in almost 31 years of marriage, that was the only time I'd taken my ring off. And I took it off. Dawn took her ring off. And Simeon wore the ring. And here's what she said. This, was the, this is the thought I want to get. She says, every time fear tries to take you in the dark, touch the rings. 
because the rings represent unending love for you. Do you know, it was such a powerful word, wasn't it? Isn't that powerful? Such a powerful word. I'm going, wow, that's amazing. And it was incredible. My, my son, you know, he's, he, he's, he's, he's gone through an incredibly stressful moment uh, and series of moments up to that point. And you, he stands in the dock. He's about to meet a professional barrister whose job it is to unpick you. And they're good at it. They're brilliant at it. That's what they get paid the bucks for. And I saw my son calmness personified. Unbelievable. It's truly, truly miraculous moment. And I watched his hand and he kept just touching the rings. Love is a life giver. Love doesn't just chase the fear away. Love's not just a weapon against fear. Love wants to displace fear with life. Love wants to give you life. Wants to give you confidence. Wants to give you peace. Wants you to be able to stand in the dock of your world, whatever that looks like, and keep touching a ring that says, he will never leave me. He will never forsake me. His love is unconditional for me. His love is unchanging for me. His love is unlimited for me. He is my God. He is my God. And you know, the word of God declares your name. If you're a child of God, your name is etched, carved. A modern analogy, forgive me, would be tattooed onto the palm of God's hand. Why does God need that? God, God never forgets anything. God has a, a brain that, that is bigger than the whole universe. He's doing that because he's saying to me and you, if it was ever possible that I could forget your name, I've, I've just etched it on my hand just in case. So that you understand whatever happens, I will never abandon this. See, see if I really get that, that doesn't just chase fear away. That puts life in my soul. Because it's suddenly not about John Andrews and his ability and his strength and his cleverness and his intellect. It's about love. It's about living in a love that says, I love you, full stop. No ifs, buts, or ands. No small print. Whatever happens, my love for you will never change. Even on your worst day. And the love I have for you will never run dry. Now imagine in Cambridge, in our day-to-day lives, raising our children, holding down our jobs, paying our rent, paying our mortgage. Imagine. Imagine that truth could slip into the depths of our hearts. Imagine what that would do to all those fears lurking Lurking in our world, looking for an opportunity to get into your brain, into your heart, and into my family, and into my body, and into me, in order to restrict me and hold me back. I I think that's what makes the Christian message one of the greatest messages in the world. Because it's not actually about me. If my salvation depended on me, I'm fried. 
I am dead in the water now. I'm serious. You don't know me. You just meet me on a Sunday. I live with me. And I'm telling you that if this depended on me, I'm dead. That's the truth. Absolute truth. And I would have died a long time ago. If it wasn't for the fact my name is written on his heart. And when my fears lurk, hey, do you know what, fear? My name's on the hand of God. Stick that in your pipe and smoke it. See what that does for you. <laughs> Knock yourself out with that. That's what you've got to do. That's what I've got to do. Just like pepperoni, we've got to find the place of love. Step into it. Open up our hearts to it. Dare to believe it's true. Even in your mind and your heart and your emotions tell you, that's unbelievable, John. It is. Actually, it's totally unbelievable. That's why we need his grace to believe it. And his help to step into it. But when we embrace the extravagant dimensions of his love, fear says, I'm out. I can't live here anymore. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless, and goodbye.